All right, turn to Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 35. So we're going to wrap this up. This is an interesting ending, but I think we have a couple things we can um, go through with this. So Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 35. It says, but when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. All right, so if you'll remember where we were, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, uh, my buddy Austin got to preach last week. So we, we, we skipped a week in Acts. Um, but what has just happened is, you remember there was the Paul and Silas were, were sharing the gospel. There was a, a, a young slave girl who was possessed by a demon that was following them around. Finally, Paul cast, uh, uh, cast this demon out of her. She's healed from this, but the, her owners were very angry because she was making them rich. And so the owners made up lies about Paul and Silas to get them thrown in jail. They were beaten with rods in the middle of the street. They were stripped and then they were thrown into prison. They're sitting in prison and they're trying to escape. Nope, not doing that. They're sitting in prison with uh, sitting down with their feet locked in stocks and they're praying and praising Jesus, right? So they're just sitting here just constantly in this mode of worship. And then suddenly out of nowhere, God sends an earthquake that should have destroyed everything. And instead, all it does is break the bonds of all the prisoners and opens every door. So this miraculous event, what should have happened at that moment? Mass escape, right? That's what should have happened. Everyone leave, doors are open, let's go. What happens instead? All of them stay. And so then this jailer comes in there and he's about to take his own life. He's in this time of desperation and Paul cries out to him and he says, no, do not harm yourself. We're all here. So the jailer's immediately like, okay, how do I worship the God you worship? What do I need to do? And Paul tells him, you just need to believe in Jesus. So this jailer takes Paul and Silas, he takes them out. He cleans them up, cleans their wounds up. He feeds them. And then we get to this time, the next day. So Paul had spent the rest of the night with this newly believing jailer and his family. I'm sure there was some comfort in getting their wounds treated and being fed. But these magistrates, once day, the magistrates, and uh, if you don't remember this, this is the chief legal officials of a city. The very guys who made the decision for Paul and Silas to be beaten with rods, stripped and imprisoned, they ran the city. So these guys uh, sent the police. This is a person who is re responsible for maintaining law and order by preventing and detecting crime and, handle, and handing offenders over to legal authorities. So the magistrates get together and they get the police and they say, hey, you guys go and tell them they're free. So the ones who made the decision did not go themselves to right their wrong. Now they're wrong. They knew they made a wrong decision. There's no trial, there's no evidence. There's, they took the word of this, uh, this uh, wealthy uh, group of people and they just said, okay, since you say they, you want them in jail, we're gonna put them in jail. They sent others to do this for them. There was a hard conversation to be had, an apology that needed to be made. And instead of doing it themselves, they sent someone else to do it for them. Anybody struggle with hard conversations? Who in here uh, doesn't even like to order your own food at a restaurant? Anybody like you're there, just you're there. Who in here wouldn't like to go up and ask for extra condiments in their past? That's my wife, sorry. <laughs> there, Ashley's not that way anymore. She wouldn't mind that. Uh, anybody in here hate making um, phone calls when it's gonna have to be like to a, a company? You're like, you're, I hate this so much. Okay, there are conversations that we don't like to have, right? I, I can fall into a lot of those. 
it's very easy to say, you do this for me, right? But there are some that we need to have, right? Some that we must own, especially if it's, hey, I'm the one that messed up. Therefore, I'm the one that's gonna have to come and say, hey, I'm sorry, this didn't go the way it should have and, and we, need to, we need to make this right. When you send someone to have your conversation that you should be having, is it, it is very weak leadership, especially, I mean, these are the magistrates, right? They're running the city and they're not even going and owning their own experience here. And they say, let these men go. That phrase is just one Greek word that means to release from control, to set free. They're trying to sound like the good guys, right? So these magistrates are like, hey, police, you guys go in there and you set those men free. How, how did they end up in jail anyways? They're trying to turn the story, right? So they have done something wrong. They take some innocent men who have broken no laws. They have them publicly ridiculed, stripping them and beating them and throwing them in prison. And then instead of owning it and walking through it, they try to keep their sin in the darkness. Keep it a secret. Let others handle this so that we can keep ourselves looking like we're the perfect Christian that Annette was talking about earlier. Let's look the part. Anybody else in here ever tried to look the part? Oh, a bunch of liars today. You're trying to look the part right now. Let's keep reading. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. So report is a word that means to announce or inform with possible focus upon the source of the information. So this was not the jailer's message. It was from the magistrates. He was the messenger. I think though this jailer is probably thinking, hey, this is good news. Good news, guys, Paul and Silas. Thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Thank you for letting me like become a part of the family. Like hey, this guy has to be like so excited to spend this time. And he gets to say, hey, Paul, you're, you're not gonna believe it. You're set free. They're letting you go. He thought this was good news. And he says, come out now. What a chain of events, right? Paul and Silas find a secret prayer, prayer gathering of Jewish people and get to share the gospel. They are arrested, beaten, stripped and thrown in jail. They sing and pray to their savior who is bigger than all of that. An earthquake breaks their bonds and opens the doors, but they stay. This saves the jailer's physical life and leads him to belief in Christ, which gives him eternal life. Now they're being officially released. And again, this sounds like good news so far, right? This is, the, this is what we want to happen. And so then the jailer says, go in peace. To walk away in a set of favorable circumstances involving peace and tranquility. Now, again, we have to trust the jailer's heart. He's thinking this is good news, right? He has just received Jesus as his savior. He is excited. He's very happy for Paul and Silas because I'm sure he's seen things go poorly before with prisoners, right? That don't get released, that go to a court date that goes even worse. I'm sure he's seen terrible, terrible things happen. And so he's saying, oh my goodness, I love you guys. You are free. Go be in peace. Thank you so much for what you shared with me. But I think this is the part that, that may have made Paul a little bit angry. They were beaten and imprisoned without committing crimes. 
Now they're supposed to walk out and be happy. Who in here thinks you'd walk out happy at that point? If you had, I mean, again, just put yourself in, the, in, in their shoes here. You were outside the city gates, breaking no laws. You do nothing that is against any, you know, commit no crimes. Then suddenly somebody lies and says, you've caused all kinds of problems. And the police come to you and they strip you and beat you and throw you in jail. And then they come in and say, hey, you're free to go now. Who's happy? I'm not happy. Let's look at verse 37. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? So this beating they had, again, we have to remember they were beaten with rods by a group, by this, this mob. They were bleeding and bruised because of these magistrates. And this beating took place in front of a crowd uncondemned. This means pertaining to not having gone through a judicial hearing with the implication of not having been condemned. No legal process was followed. The slave owner simply accused them of breaking laws that they didn't break. There was no trial. And Paul says something very important. Men who are Roman citizens. Uh-oh. Now, we might not understand this, but this is a very big deal. The laws of Rome only applied to Roman citizens. If you were there as a visitor, if you were there as a, uh, just a, a, a resident, and you were not a citizen, you were not given the same rights as Roman citizens. So we, found, we find out here that while Paul was Jewish, he had also obtained his citizenship. So this awarded him rights and privileges others didn't have, including the right to a fair trial. So the magistrates didn't ask the right questions. They, they were not, uh, they didn't do their, their part, right? Because the question should be, are you Roman citizens in, in this law? And again, I, I, this isn't a good system, but again, they should have said, Paul, Silas, are you Roman citizens? Yes, okay, let's go, let's do this differently. Instead, they just hear these are religious nuts causing problems. Okay, there's no way they're Romans. Let's make, a, let's make an example out of them. And so we're Roman citizens and they throw us into prison. They were cruelly thrown into prison after their public beating. Then he's saying, so now you're gonna throw us out? And he's not mad about leaving prison. He's not mad about getting out of jail. He's angry about how. Anybody ever been angry at the how? Who has ever been told something that was not necessarily bad words, but said in a wrong way? Who has ever said something in the wrong way that could have been said in a better way? Okay, me too, all the time. The problem was it was being done secretly. So this word, the Greek word is lathra. It's an idiom. It literally means in the darkness. It's pertaining to not being able to be known by the public but known by some in group or those immediately involved. So just this few small in group is gonna know the truth. No one else gets to know the truth. 
These city leaders were trying to sweep their sin under the rug. They're trying to keep their evil deeds secret. This doesn't work. Anybody ever tried to keep a secret? Who's good at keeping secrets? Let me just, let, let's, let's see that. Okay, I'll tell very few of you things. That's good. Um, who is bad at keeping secrets? Anybody just want to like, just own that, bad at it? If Crockett was in here, I'd raise both his hands for him. He cannot do that. Some secrets are fun when you're planning surprises for people. Some secrets are not good, right? When your secret is something evil that you're trying to guard because you don't want to face the consequences of it. So you're trying to just hide it and move it and shift other things around and tell other lies to make sure it continues to be secret. That is only going to damage you. In fact, we're commanded to do something different. Ephesians 5.11 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So while these magistrates are guarding sin and keeping it uh, hidden in, their, in the darkness of their hearts, God's word says, instead of letting darkness exist there, expose it. Shine the bright light of Christ on the dark areas of your, of your life and expose them. So let's pause for a second. Do you have any dark secrets that you need to confess today? Maybe this is the awkward moment you were hoping wouldn't happen, right? Because if that's where you're at, you walked in knowing it was there. I wanna say this. Your first confession is to your loving father. You know why? He already knows. We have no secrets from God, so our confessions to him should come easily, right? To go and say, God, I know you already know this, but I need to tell you, I messed up. And I'm sorry. And I, and I need your help to walk in victory. Please forgive me. But don't stop there. Your next confession needs to be to a trusted brother or sister in our faith family saying, hey, I need you to know I'm struggling here. And I'm not going to find victory alone because that's not the way that God designed us. He designed us to confess our sins to each other that we may be healed. That's James 5, 16. He designed us to carry each other's burdens. We see that in Galatians 6. I can't help carry your burdens if I don't know what they are. So you start with confession to God, but you move to confession to somebody else you trust. Because we're not called to walk in darkness. We're called to walk in the light. So Paul's mad. He's not mad that he's uh, getting out of jail. He's mad that they're trying to do this in secret. And he says, no, let them come themselves and take us out. All right, this was a strong no, right? This wasn't the like, nah, this is no. Which is nuts, right? Because you're thinking, Paul, dude, this is Philippi. This is not safe territory for you. Even as a Roman citizen, things can go real poorly for you real quickly if the right people just lie. So why don't you take your chance and get out, right? Like they're letting you go. Don't make this the issue. And he says, not just no, let them come and take me out. <laughs> Instead, he confronts the evil that has been done to him. What a tough conversation, right? 
he is having to confront evil that has been committed to him to call it out and say, this was done and it was wrong and we're going to talk about it. Anybody struggle with those conversations? Anybody have those conversations in a poor way? Maybe you're like me. I'll just, let's, let's, let's have confession time. That's fun, right? I love to avoid those conversations. Love to. Until the moment that I'm ready to explode. And then that conversation goes really, really poorly. Whose fault is that? Mine. God's called us sometimes to have hard conversations, especially when sin's been committed. And in Matthew 18, we see the process for that, right? It's not gather my posse, my mob, tell everybody else, get the gossip chain together. Look at how bad that person is. And then finally have the guts to say, we all hate you now. It's walking up to that person and saying, hey, love you, but you hurt me. You did this and it was wrong. And we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to walk through this. That's what God has called us to be. And if your brother repent, if, if the, the person who's offended you uh, repents, guess what you've gained? Your brother or your sister back. Now, if it doesn't work that time, what do you do the second time? Go back with one or two other people and say, hey, I need you to listen to what I'm saying because I think, I, I, I think I've been wronged and I need you to hear what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And again, you give them the chance to repent. If not then, then you take it to the whole church is what it says. And if even with the church, even if the church says, hey, we agree, this is sin, this is wrong. Then you treat that person as if they're a Gentile or a tax collector. What does, what does that mean? You understand that right now they're not living like they know Jesus. So let's act like they don't. And let's bring them the gospel and pursue them as lost people instead. Because fellowship as a family has been broken at that point. Another issue I want to bring up inside of this, of having some of these tough conversations. Sometimes we as Christians have been taught the wrong thing about forgiveness. Anybody in here ever struggled to forgive somebody? Laziness or liars? I'm not sure, one of the two. Or maybe you're really good at forgiving people. I don't know. I've struggled to forgive lots of people. Can I tell you where I've really struggled to forgive people? I've confused what forgiveness is. A lot of times what we've been taught is forgiveness means your best friends again. Is that the definition of forgiveness? Okay, let me ask another question. Has anybody ever heard of the word boundaries? Are boundaries bad things? Do we treat them like they are? Sometimes. Sometimes forgiveness can be, I will forgive you and we'll have the conversation, but maybe new boundaries are set in place at least for a time. And that can be healthy forgiveness. So maybe if there's somebody in here who said like, I've, I can't forgive this person because I'm not ready to have that in my life again yet. I want you to understand you can forgive because forgiveness is hurting. Unforgiveness is toxic to you. It's poison in your heart. You're not hurting the other person. Your unforgiveness is poisoning you. So forgive quickly, but know that you can put boundaries in place if they're needed. Okay, side note, that was free for you. If there, 
there's a tough conversation that you've been avoiding, will you pray about having it this week? In fact, I challenge you to do this. This is about to make you very nervous. I'm sorry. Take your phone out right now and text the person, hey, can we talk this week? Right now. Don't listen to another thing I say. If there's a tough conversation you've been avoiding, text that person and say, hey, you got any time? And if they're sitting in this room and they get weird, it's okay. If they're sitting next to you, sorry. Let's keep reading. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard they were Roman citizens. Afraid that these, these guys were terrified, right? They had made a big mistake because they thought Paul and Silas weren't citizens. They treated them less than human. Now they've been told they did this to Roman citizens. They broke their own laws. This is a big, bad thing. This happened when they heard, right? So they, all of a sudden they hear the thing they didn't want to hear. Oops. Have you ever uh, found out that you've been found out? Anybody ever had that happen? You thought you had a nice little secret going and all, nobody knows. You find out somebody knows. Have you ever taken someone's leftovers out of the fridge, only found out that they were worth murder? <laughs> That's where these guys are, right? They suddenly realize um, they shouldn't have done this even to non-citizens. This was a terrible, this was, they were acting in evil. But now they had done something that, was, that could seriously cost them a lot. They had broken the law in a big way. Verse 39, so they came and apologized to them. They had no choice at this point to do anything else. They had to go to Paul and Silas. Okay. So we've talked already about maybe there's somebody you've been avoiding having the conversation with because you have something you need to confront. Do you have anyone that you need to go to today to apologize to? Is there an apology you've been holding on to, withholding, holding back that you owe? Maybe you feel like it's been so long that it would be awkward at this point. I, let, me, let me just diffuse that a little bit. It will be. But that's okay. So again, stop listening to me. Take your phone out and text that person. Can we talk this week? I have something I need to apologize for. Apology means to ask something earnestly, to plead. So he's, he's, he's begging them saying, hey, we've done the wrong thing. Please, please forgive us is what they're, what they're coming to do. I wanna ask you a question in dollars. How much does an apology cost? What? That's nothing? They're free? Then why are we so stingy with them? Right? We can be so stingy with apologies, even though they are free to give. We have an unlimited supply. You will never run out. Did you know that? You're not gonna suddenly hit a part of your life where like the word sorry can't come out anymore. In fact, I think the older you get, the more you realize that you got a lot of them and you got a lot more that you owe. Be quick to apologize because it's okay that you hurt someone and it's okay to own it and it's okay to validate them. In fact, those are all really, really good things to have a healthy family. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. 
I love that they asked. The first time they beat them, stripped them, and threw them in jail. Now they have to ask them, will you please leave? For me, this is a challenge. We, we need to practice asking more and demanding less. Amen. They asked him to leave the city. While Paul and Silas had broken no laws, uh, remaining in the city would have caused problems. They were preaching the gospel. The world is naturally opposed to this. Just like today, when we are seeing more and more sin being celebrated and holiness being hated. This is a time for the church to stand strong and shine brightly in an increasingly dark world. So they went out of the prison, they visited Lydia. And, they, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So they met Lydia in Philippi. She was originally from Thyatira. We, were, we, we assume there's some uh, uh, early documents that th uh, lead us to think that uh, Lydia was the person who probably would have started the church that was in Thyatira that we read about in Revelation. She believed in Jesus and a church was started in her home. The brothers, so the brothers were the whole church that met in Lydia's house. I wanna say something for a second. I'm so thankful for the building that God has blessed us with here at Clinging Ridge. I'm so thankful, right? We have air conditioning, we have heat, we have space, we get to be together, we have sound, there's great things. But that does not take away from the repeated, repeated emphasis of Christians gatherings in homes to share meals and do life together. That is a repeated theme throughout the Bible. We need to be in each other's homes, sharing meals, and doing life. And I really mean the sharing meals part. Amen. Amen. They encourage the brothers. This means to call someone to be encouraged or consoled, either verbally or non-verbally. This church needed encouragement. So do we, right? Anybody need encouragement today? Anybody discouraged? Oh, okay, just me, that's fine. Um, there's all kinds of things that leave us there, right? I know I've had lots of homework for you right now and I'm sorry, but take a second. Think of someone right now that you know is going through a difficult time. Does anyone know someone going through a difficult time? I do. Why don't you send them a message of encouragement? Just a small thing saying, I'm thinking about you. Or better yet, why don't you invite them into your home to have dinner with your family? And say, hey, I know you've been going through some stuff. Want to eat with us? I promise you that will encourage them in a way you cannot fathom. Because God does amazing, beautiful things. We see this throughout the word. When you're in your home, when you share your home with someone, especially when you're sharing your home and sharing a meal. I want you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm gonna ask three questions that I've already asked, but I just wanna repeat. Do you have any hard conversations that you, that you have been avoiding? What are you going to do about it? Do you have any secret sins that you need to confess? Will you start right now by confessing to God and then commit to confessing it to another brother or sister? Do you have any apologies that you've been withholding that you need to give? And who in your life 
needs encouragement specifically from you this week. Jesus, guide us into worship. Lord, help us to respond to your word in worship. Lord, there's so many themes here of of having difficult conversations and saying things right ways. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a people that pursue unity and peace through having hard conversations and saying when someone's wronged us, through apologizing when we've wronged others, through encouraging people who are having difficult times and by living in authenticity, by being confessional with our struggles. Help us to be that so that we can be a church that is a light in our community, that we would hate what is evil, love what is good, and be the salt that the world can see you through. In your name I pray, amen. Please stay and respond however God leads you.